in the pattern podcast. Make left traffic, clear for the option. Minneapolis departure, Archer 641, Charlie, Charlie, 2000, climbing 3000. Line up and wait, 7 range, for my Kelvin. Mark Tower, 172, Romeo Hotel, holding short on 133, ready to take off. I'm John. I'm Chris. I'm Brad. And I'm Mark. And we are the In the Pattern Podcast. Welcome to episode 67 of the In the Pattern Podcast. This is Chris, and along with me tonight, I've got uh, Pilot Conway and Mr. Brad. Unfortunately, Mark is not able to make it. But uh, we will do the best without him. Hopefully he's uh, feeling better. He's a little under the weather tonight. How are you guys doing? I'm doing great. Hi, who are you guys? Yes, I remember you. Your voices sound familiar. Fagley. <clears throat> yeah, it's been a minute. but uh, And as usual, we apologize for that. We will, uh, we will uh, do our best to uh, be a little bit more frequent. We say that a lot, but uh, we fail uh, quite a bit on that kind of promise. At least this time it wasn't me editing. It was we didn't record. <laughs> yeah, there's that. There's that for sure. Yeah, so hopefully uh, hopefully, uh, Mark's uh, going to feel better soon. He's a little under the weather right now. So uh, hopefully on the next one he'll be able to catch back up with it. Uh, back up with us, that is. Um, and uh, we've... Um, uh, I've done a little flying since the uh, last podcast. Brad's little did a little flying since the last podcast. Mr. Conway, how about you? I don't, I haven't heard that you had, but I don't know. I wish. Yeah. No. Just the uh, human mailing tube to Mexico, which I believe we were doing right after the last recording. Cool. That's about it for me. Yeah, we uh, we were what we were down there like two or three weeks after you. I think we just passed yeah, by. Yeah, something like that on the ship. Yeah, we did a little uh, a little cruise uh, through the ba- uh, Bahamas or the rib- was it? Me- well, I was gonna say Mexican Riviera, but it's actually uh, the Bahamas. Riviera Maya. Yeah, that's part of it. So, yeah, we uh, we were driving down uh, bus to Tulum. Um, I say bus, but it was like some random cab van thing. <laughs> uh, but we were uh, driving down, and I started seeing billboards. They're building a brand new eco ecological air park or something it's like the first one in the riviera maya huh. and it's some like ecological and, preserve but at the same time also an air park and i was yeah. like okay i'm intrigued words that you don't hear together ecological and air park yeah <laughs> yeah in in costa maya it's uh it's it's or, the or riviera maya in, era it's, in it's that somewhere area. between playa del carmen and tulum i think it was like halfway mm. or something um okay but yeah, oh, so it was, that uh, turns out. I don't know, they were still building it. Yeah. Apparently it was opening in like five years or something, who knows. Okay. There's a lot of expats around that area though, so. Uh. Hmm. Yeah, we, uh, you, um, were you in Cozumel? Is that, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, cool. Love Cozumel, love the, uh, love the scuba diving there. Fantastic. Yeah, I did four. Did you? Awesome. Yep. Some of the clearest water you'll ever dive in in your entire life like, and drift drift diving is so much fun yeah. i mean my ultimate goal is to retire down there become a scuba instructor and then do like float plane operations there you go 
just not in the same day. I was going to say, those, those don't go well together. <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, you know, if I stay below, you know, 500 feet, I'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because, yeah. you know, when would that happen? Right. Uh, yeah, so uh, we um, we headed down for a cruise um, a few, what, a couple months ago? Not even quite. I don't, I don't even think it's been two months. And... Um, and we we went to Cozumel again, but this time we dove in in uh, Rohatan, Honduras, and um, and that was uh, that was a lot of fun. Totally different. Water wasn't quite as clear, um, but it was. Um, but we were we were at like a hundred feet a lot of times, which was a lot quite a bit deeper than we were in in Cozumel. That's really deep. But it was uh, it was like uh, um, shelf diving, like it was right off the edges of a bunch of uh, coral shelves. So it was really interesting. You know, it's it's like the wall we did in in Cozumel. We were down like 90 feet for that. Okay. Yeah. Wall dives. So what's funny is that these, um, these dive masters, these instructors that take you out, you know, they know where all the like interesting um, animals are, you know, because they don't, they're, they're very territorial. Like, we get down and two minutes later, he's like, uh, you know, ringing his bell underneath the water to come over to see him. And he's showing us this tiny, tiny yellow seahorse. That's probably an inch in size. Right. <laughs> he knew right yeah. where to go to find this thing. I'm like, that's incredible. Like needle in a haystack. Right. But he can get to it every time. Cause he just knows the water so well. It's life. But enough of that. Yeah. Enlighten me in your flying endeavors because oh. I don't, you know, it's been, God, I don't even know how long it's been since I've flown. I'd have to look that up. Dude, it's been like, I think I'm running up against uh, 90 days right now. Maybe just, possibly just past it, in fact. Oh, that's all? Yeah. Well, I I was flying at the beginning of the year a little bit. Um, I did one of the, I did one of the uh, uh, flights down to um, uh, Coolidge for their breakfast fly-ins that they do during the cool months. Uh, This month was the last one for the, for the cool months you know they they shut it off from like may through october maybe october is the first month they bring it back so i only got down for one of those in this last season of of of, uh of breakfast flights down to coolidge and it's always good time because it's you know it's a little mini fly-in there's probably about 75 to 100 planes show up all different kinds um i like to get there kind of early and go down and stand stand right off the edge of the runway and take pictures of some of the interesting planes that come in. And you never know. I mean, it's everything from a gyrocopter to a jet. So it's it's a little bit of everything shows up down there. This one guy's got this and, and you've seen this this um this uh, uh airplane on the cover of of magazines before, but he's got a a three-quarter scale uh pits uh, or or not a pits, but a um um a Spitfire. Nice. And he's been on the cover of like AOP AOPA magazine or something like that. He's got a real um, V12 Allison in it, I think. Yeah, he's got an Allison V12 in the thing. It's it's an incredible aircraft. So he he's usually down there, and then every once in a while, someone like shows up in their jet or uh, the owner of um, the owner of uh, what's the FBO. Um, Doggone it! It's the one that I used to go to every every when I was getting when I was getting my um, flight instruction. Um, cutter. But anyways, cutter, you got it. That's it. So, Google. Mis- 
Yes, thank you. <laughs> Mr. Cutter flies down there in his uh, in his stagger wing twin be in his stagger wing uh, beach, which is cool. Um, so you never know what you're going to see, and the pancakes ain't bad either. So yeah, I took a I took took a couple of guys from uh, from work down there, which was a lot of fun as usual, and um, uh, did a little other flying just uh, around around the valley. Um, towards the uh, towards the beginning beginning of the year and there's just I've got like a handful of people uh, I need to get back to at work that that wants to go and I've been meaning to go but one thing or another has been keeping me busy and and uh, either you know time or money you know one of those things so uh, but uh, you know I matter of fact I'm thinking about going to get night current which I think you just recently did, is that right, Brad? Yeah, I've uh, you know wanted to get night current before it before we ran out of night up here, and so <laughs> usually around the spring equinox, it's like okay, it's time to get out there because uh, it's going to be hard to get night current in July. Yeah, when when it don't get dark until nine thirty or something. Exactly, and it's like yeah. I don't do a lot of flying after ten thirty at night anyway. Anyway, yeah. so it's all good. No, it's 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 a good point. Getting night current in the winter months is it makes a lot more sense because you can go right after work and get start getting it knocked out, right? Yeah, I mean you can literally in close to the winter solstice you could go and get current at four thirty. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> hmm. The only problem is you have to dodge the you know negative temperatures for him up there. Mm. Well, usually that time of December it's not as bad but in january uh, yeah, it's absolutely awful yeah. yeah i guess december's a little different but luckily all your planes are hangered so that's nice they're all hangered they all have tannis uh engine heaters because tannis yeah. is located about 15 miles from the airport where i'm based oh imagine that tannis is in minnesota well it seems like a good spot for uh, beta testing uh, all new products huh <laughs> <laughs> it works out they sell a lot of product local yeah, I bet they do. I bet they do. You guys, uh, has your club, uh, uh, what's the latest with your club and, and airplanes? Have you guys ma made any more changes recently? How many Moonies are broken? <laughs> <laughs> so the, the engine on the Mooney has now, since we bought it three years ago, has been torn down three times due to prop strikes. Wow. You yeah. know, that's something that I've always heard about Moonies. Um, it, that you'll, it, it, if it you ain't the Mooney. It's the loose no, nut no. behind the stick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it, it's like you make that landing a little firm and you bounce it a little bit. And instead of just gassing it and going around, they porpoise it a little bit and then ding the prop. Does that sound about right? Yeah. If you come in at 71 knots, um, it's fine. You know, the plane lands beautifully and everything else. But if you come in at 80 knots you've got problems, you know, it's yeah. not going to land and you're going to be tempted to push because the, the half the runway is behind you. Yeah. You know, we only have 3,300 foot runways at crystal. So is that where they're always doing it too at home? Uh, that's where two of the three incidents have happened. Yeah. Mm. And the last one. So it was even a little bit worse because somebody, somebody pretzeled the prop or didn't pretzel it. Actually, they just took three quarters of an inch off of the prop tips. Ah. And put it away yeah. and obvious either didn't notice or just didn't let anybody know. Yeah. 
And the like- next pilot <laughs> didn't run his hands across the edge of the prop, so he didn't notice. Wow. And he went flying. And then the and then when they took it in for an oil change, the the FBO was like, uh, hey guys, you're missing like you know, three quarters of an inch off the end of your prop. Um, they're like, I was wondering why it's getting so much more RPM. <laughs> it's constant say, speed. A- <laughs> oh. Well, was it the same on both sides of the prop then, I guess? <laughs> I guess. It should be. You know, otherwise it would have shaken pretty violently. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. No, I, it, it was, it was a kind of a hang your head in shame kind of a moment. Cause it's like, not only did you strike the prop and didn't notice, but the next pilot didn't even notice it in the pre-flight. Wow. And, uh, you know, it's put, it's given me a whole new level of respect for that. Check the prop out before you go. <laughs> cause, yeah. Cause I was the person previous to the person who did the prop strike. And I was like, man, did I, did I strike the prop? I mean, I landed a little firm, but I didn't bounce at all. Did I, was it me? And no, it wasn't me. Very nice. <laughs> so 71 knots in the M20. That's the that's the magic number. That's money right there. It works great. It's beautiful. It lands it lands phenomenally. But at seventy, it falls out of the sky. At you seventy, it, it it just glides right on, you know. But uh, when I was doing my checkout, I think I talked about this earlier. Um, I was doing my checkout in the Mooney, and I the instructor we went up to a uh, an airport that has an eight thousand foot concrete runway. And he said, okay, I want you to fly it in now at 90 knots. What? And just to demonstrate it, just fly it in at 90 knots, put it in ground effect, and and just wait until it lands. Oh. And so we did. I flew it in at 90 knots, and I put it in ground effect. And he starts counting off the 1,000-foot markers as they go by. And it was like 2,800 feet before it settled onto the pavement. And <laughs> we have 3,300-foot runways. Wow. <laughs> so... Wow. That kind of freaked me out a little bit. Yeah. Well, you know, I still had a mile in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> and I could always go around, you know, it was easy. But, uh, and, and he was my out. It, it's all going to be his fault if anything goes wrong. So eh, it was okay. A mile. Um, but yeah, I mean, I still had, I, it was an 8,000 foot, we were at an 8,000 foot runway. When we oh, I thought you this. said you were 3,000 foot, your home airport, and you knocked off 20. 20- yeah, 700 no, feet or what? Okay, okay. We were, we have, we have 3,300 feet at home, but yeah. we were at an airport with, with 8,000. Okay. I missed that part. I was like going in a mile, 5,200, <laughs> some yeah. change. Okay. My math wasn't working. All right. Yeah. Cool. So that's why we went to the other airport and it, and it, it drove it home, right? It's like, no, for real, dude, dude, keep the speed down. <laughs> now you gotta, you gotta love an instructor who knows it that well, has the confidence says, Hey, do this and watch what happens. Not hold my beer and watch this type of thing, but still, you know, he, it, he's, he's, he's proving a point and teaching a lesson at the same time. It's great. Yeah. And it, and it got me real, a lot more into speed control. You know, I, I can now hold the airspeed within a couple of knots on final uh, because that's what you have to do. And uh, it, it's forced me into being a better pilot um, because a lot of times I'd get away with flying way too fast or occasionally even way too slow. And now I'm like, nope, these are the right numbers. And, you know, and if you try to do that at 71 knots in the Saratoga, um, you you plop it onto the runway hard. Like there's just not enough energy to flare. 
And so, you know, the Saratoga, nope, it's 80 knots. <laughs> and that's even, the way it is. Even with all that wing, huh? It, it, the wing isn't that much longer, and it's twice as heavy. Yeah, quite a bit heavier, isn't it? Yeah. So it it uh, it, and I've thumped it on before, and I'm like, oh, okay, yep, eighty knots. That's that's real. <laughs> but if you try seventy one knots in the Warrior, again, you just float and float, float, float until that thing gets down to you know, I, VSO is like thirty eight or forty one. I don't remember off the top of my head, but it's it's slow. Hmm. So they're all different. They're all different. And you can't just do it. I can't do it by feel. I, I'm sure some people can, but I have to fly it by the numbers. <laughs> so I, I'm always looking like at some point, either before I go or, or in the air, I'm like, okay, what's, what are the, what are the approach speeds for this one? Nothing wrong with flying it by the numbers. No, it keeps me honest and yeah. largely out of trouble. Mm-hmm. I haven't been to prop yet. Well, you got that going for you. So you guys got the Saratoga the and the Moonies and uh, Warrior still? Yeah. Yep, Saratoga, Mooney, Warrior, two archers, and an arrow, the arrow okay. three. And uh, the you know, we had our club meeting in the we do it in the in the tail end of the winter in February. And, uh, well, we like to think of it as a tail end of winter. Here it is, middle of April. <laughs> we just got like 17 inches of snow. Um, <laughs> but, but we do it in what we optimistically call the tail end of winter. And, um, we were talking about the, every year we talk about the condition of the fleet and how many hours we flew. And, you know, it's, it's always 1500 to 2000 hours is, uh, on the fleet as a whole is about as many hours as we put in. Um, but of course, the majority of those hours are on the on the cheap planes. They're on the warrior and the and the two archers. Sure. And um, would you say the majority of your pilot um, population for your club are VFR only pilots? Yeah, most of the pilots just do VFR, and they're just local. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't go anywhere. They just yeah. you know they'll look at the colors in the fall and hundred dollar mm-hmm. hamburgers and those kinds of flights, but they're not doing long cross countries. Yeah. Uh, in fact, my flight out to Vancouver Island last year won me the the club's navigator award at the banquet this, this <laughs> spring um, because it was the longest flight that that anybody had done in terms of distance. Oh, okay. uh, we have we have a navigator award and we have a it's not a pilot they don't call it the pilot award but it, anyway there's another award for whoever puts in the most hours mm. um, and that was not even close. <laughs> not even close the there was somebody who flies well into the the low hundreds really um, yep and he's a doctor and he he does a circuit and he flies every week uh on this circuit that flies you know takes him up and in, up into the northern part of the state uh, and so he's just racking up you know several huh. hours couple th- couple hours a week every week and when the weather's bad he just drives uh, and he's been doing it for years, so he's got a whole system worked out that tells him, you know, you know, if the weather's like this, just start driving the night before. Wait, oh, so he, so he's using it to go there for work? Yep. Okay. Interesting. Sweet. It's also interesting that does he always take the same plane? No. Um, okay. He changes it up. He'll take whatever's best available. Basically, he'll take. He'll take the Mooney if it's available, or he'll take the Arrow. He doesn't take the Saratoga very much because it's just so much fuel burn. 
Yeah. Um, it's just expensive, but, uh, and if other, it's just him, if it, and it's just him, he yeah. doesn't need, you know, he just needs a, a backseat. Sure. Um, I was going to say, I, I'm surprised he doesn't just privately own his own plane or maybe with, uh, one or two other partners at best, but yeah, well, it's a lot cheaper to have them pay for it. Uh, yeah. With <laughs> the, he's the epitome of a good reason to be in a club, you know, and especially if you like to have the option of a few different airplanes to choose from. So, mm-hmm. and they're all, there's always going to be one available. Yeah. I was just know? thinking that. So he's not gonna have to worry about maintenance or something, keeping him down for 30 to 45 days at a time. I mean, right. It's going to be something there. We, we stagger the annuals and there's almost always one available. Now in the summertime, it's not uncommon to have the entire barn empty. Um, but you know he he also pays extra on his membership so that he can have normally you're limited to five future reservations and he pays extra so that he can have ten. Oh wow! So that he can <laughs> book further out. That's cool. Yeah, and, I'm surprised it, you guys don't have a twin yet. You know, it's just so. I, I mean, we can't hardly keep the Mooney out of the shop. Yeah, you know, I mean. You know, insurance I'm sure is going to get expensive on the on the Mooney because of the three teardowns. Um, but a twin is just a much it's it's a much tougher nut to crack. It's a harder it's a harder thing to convince the the club that we should own. There were a lot of people that were really opposed to the Saratoga because they're like, look, the this we have a Cherokee six and it never flies and mm. and everybody said, yeah, but this is a cross country machine. It's going to go places. And yeah. and it has. Uh, there's a guy that's gonna that's gonna fly it to Alaska. The people uh, that were complaining were your archer flyers and your uh, your, your warrior flyers. Who yeah, yeah. And they're anywhere. the people that they don't want they don't want glass in the panel and they don't want you know big planes and they you know they don't want to subsidize that stuff because it's it, and it's rightfully so right. It's not the kind of flying that they do. It's not the club that they want to be a part of. Right. So I, I'm not bashing on them at all uh, for for advocating for the kind of club that they want. That that's how it should work and and it works fine. You know, um, I prefer the Saratoga uh, uh, or the Mooney. So those are the, those are the planes I fly the most. Um, but like I've got my BFR coming up, and I'm just going to take the Warrior because it's it's cheap <laughs> and it's local. Yeah. <laughs> but there you the, go. The Warrior and the Archers are really getting up there in hours. I think the Warrior is over thirteen thousand hours on it. Wow. Um, and the Archers aren't far behind. They're they're both over ten. Wow. Uh, so okay. we're basically going to going to fly them into the ground we it doesn't make any sense to try to sell them to buy newer aircraft at this point we'll fly them until they're um well un- until they're not safe you know until they yeah. fail an annual or we or we detect corrosion or you know, or something happens to them yeah um, it's not like the the airframe's going to be in jeopardy i mean they don't they're not pressurized or anything so you're not going to run into that but if you keep up on the maintenance i mean they're nearly unlimited you know well, you know, stuff will fatigue, you know, yeah. eventually we'll crack, you know, there'll be one too many hard landings and they'll, they'll crack a spar or they'll bend the firewall sure. or, you know, fatigue catches up, but when, when but the that's repairs, okay. I mean, they're fully paid for. Yeah. <laughs> when the repair is like 25% of the whole value, you know, forget about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's no, everybody knows that we won't throw good money after bad on them. And, and if we make investments in avionics, which I think. We've been talking about replacing, uh, getting rid of all of the vacuum systems in all of the aircraft and going oh. with Aspen panels. 
Oh, okay. We, we have an Aspen in the Saratoga and everybody loves it. Everybody who flies it anyway, loves it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were looking at G5s from Garmin, but yeah. now Aspen dropped their price to basically match the cost of two G5s. Nice. Um, and to have a standard panel is a much bigger deal for us. To have the same glass in all of them is much more important than to have one that might be a tiny bit cheaper. Um, so we would go with, we would probably, I would imagine, go with, with Aspens in all of them. Um, and I, I love the, the panel. It's, it's, it's easy to work with and it does so much for you. Yeah. You, know, you get all of the crazy, you'll get true airspeed calculated all the time. It'll tell you what the winds are that you're facing. It will, um, it, it's, it's a PFD. So you get the airspeed tape and the attitude and everything right in one spot. And if you can pull the, the vacuum system out, it saves you. 15 to 20 pounds and all of the reliability problems that you have with a physical vacuum pump. You know, you just, mm-hmm. you know, the, we have a backup AI, uh, you have to, um, and it's, but it's electric. And so, uh, and it's also what drives the autopilot in the Saratoga. So it, it's fine. You know, if we lost the Aspen, it'd be okay. Um, but the Aspen has a battery backup that lasts for hours. So if we lost ship's power, you can still, you know, navigate and, f- and fly and approach. Yeah. I, th- I just saw, I don't know what, what article it was recently, but I, th- was it Aspen they were talking about? There uh, something about that. Uh, one of their products that was, me- you know, meant for experimental only that they, that, you know, they've got okayed uh, for, you know, the 172s to start with or whatever. And, but the coolest thing about it was, and I'm not sure hundred percent if it was Aspen, but that sounds right, but they kept the price the same, even though they were going to let you buy it for a uh, certified aircraft. Yeah. I, I, I don't know the ins and outs of the FAA change to avionics, but it, it seems like, um, Dynon was doing the same thing with their with their experimental panel that they're bringing over and getting an STC. Um, they've got an STC for the 172 now and they're working on a Baron and then they're going to start, I think working into the bonanzas and 182s. Um, and as fast as they can churn out STCs, they're going to start certifying their full glass panel. I mean, it's, yeah, it's analogous to a G 1000, but it might not have all the bells and whistles. And I, I don't know enough about either platform to, to know, but um, but it's a wonderful time, to, you know. Just this last couple of years to see the plummeting price of uh, of avionics and the vastly improved safety. Yeah, for sure. None of this stuff was available when we were working on our on our private certificates oh, sure. just a few years ago. Yeah, and, and now it's like, oh, you can get you can get you know glass panels and flight directors and um, envelope protection autopilots, and it's all super cheap. Yeah, I think the the FAA is has seen enough of this over the last like ten years uh, from from all these manufacturers that's making this stuff for the uh, experimental category, and they're like, you know, all these planes are doing just fine. They're not fl- falling out of the sky because of some sort of product that they put in there that was subpar. So why not, right? Yeah, and, and, it's I, a, and I think. It, and it's, a, and, and it's just added safety for that pilot, more situational awareness, more data that you can look at and, and get better, more, what would you call it, uh, more precise data. 
Exactly. And I think they've seen the success of the certificated glass panels like the G1000 and, and the, the boon that those have been to pilot safety and in terms of being able to understand, you know, uh, to prevent loss of control accidents because the you've got the airspeed tape right there and it makes it easier to fly approaches and it it does just enhance your situational awareness. And I, I can't be happier about what we're seeing. Um, especially on the autopilot side, you know, we're, we're probably going to end up with some kind of base level autopilot in all of our aircraft now. Um, I think the warrior is the one that right now it, it doesn't even have an IFR GPS, mm-hmm. um, or any kind of an autopilot. And it's like, well, now it's kind of cheap to get those. So I, I, yeah, I, I'm pleased as punch at the, incredible decrease in avionics costs to light aircraft aviation's expensive enough and and they and and in my head i'm thinking they want to get um more pilots younger pilots going these younger kids want want technology right yeah why why and why wouldn't you why you know the mental effort that it takes to interpret the needle on uh, a swishy gauge that's off to the side and outside of your main uh T panel IFR scan is just wasted. You know, why isn't that on the HSI? Why isn't that projected in a way that it's right there in front of me that I can just see it? Um, You know, it's, and, and it should be, and they're starting to integrate with the iPad so that, you know, you can put uh, a flight plan in on your iPad and sync it into your panel. And, you know, all of that is just a boon to safety because it's, it's just more consistent. It's a better interface. It's less, buttonology. Um, it's, it's all mo beta. John, the last time you flew, uh, last few times you've been, uh, working on that G1000 172 mm-hmm. and, uh, um, tell us again what, what you thought about the transition. How did, how did, uh, how did it go for like learning a new scan with everything just like right here instead of having, you know, left, right, up, down, whatever, you know, it's just, you're still moving your eyes around a little bit, but it's, it is kind of compact now. Yeah, it really didn't take as long as I thought. You know, I thought it would be a little different. Um, you know, I'm not flying IFR or anything, so I don't have necessarily a, a scan scan that I'm doing um, or that I'm used to. You know, I haven't spent hours doing that. But um, but you're looking you at know, that airspeed and altitude tapes. Um, and yeah, and it's right there. Ages and, and then um, being able to see the horizon behind it, you know? Like, I yeah. can look at the airspeed, and I see where the horizon is behind it. And that is that is nice. And then I flew the synthetic vision one, too. And it's like, ooh, yeah, you know, oh, well, there's traffic. And then it's pointing it out on the, um, you know, on the synthetic vision. Oh, it should be right there. And it's like, yeah. oh, I look up, and then, okay, there's the dot. You know, it's... <laughs> it's um, just that from the from the traffic standpoint, especially around DC. You know, it's crowded down here. Um, being able to, to immediately see, you know, where I'm going, what my flight plan is, what airports are around. Um, you know, the G1000 is still a little clunky in some cases. It's quicker for me to look up frequencies or other stuff using my iPad than it is to use, you know, the G1000 sometimes. Yeah. Um, which was the big, the big, the big jump with the new uh, NXI G1000 that was the upgraded processor and, and stuff like that. They said that things like that popped up way more quick, uh, way snappier than the than the previous version. 
Well, yeah, and I'm sure in certain cases, you know, they've adjusted the interface too to make it easier to bring stuff up and, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, I think the iPad really, I mean, really took all of this to a whole different level because all of a sudden, you know, the, the touchscreen and everything else and just being able to quickly, you know, tap on an airport and then see, see frequencies in two seconds. I mean, that's, that's huge. Yeah. Um, and then the integration with the autopilot, I mean, the autopilot on those 172s is ridiculous what it can do. Um, yeah. And just the load that that can take off of me and, and, you know, I understand, you know, I'm not flying it, blah, 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 whatever. But, you know, when I'm doing a flight to New York and I was doing the Hudson River corridor, being able to take the cognitive load of entirely flying off and to do more navigating and traffic avoidance in such a congested corridor, you know, I felt so much safer there because I knew... You know, I'm not constantly chasing an altitude and then neglecting, you know, the <laughs> helicopters that are 500 feet away from me, right? Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where I can just, it's, it's, I know where it's flying. I know what it's doing. I'm staying on this side of the river and it's, you know, quickly look over, you know, every, you know, so often and just verify everything's still going how I expect it to go. But, you know, other than that, I'm, I'm eyes out the window doing what I need to do. So, yeah. Um, I remember on my, uh, long cross country, um, during my flight training and I was flying that, uh, that Archer three, it had a, uh, it had the, uh, S-Tech, uh, 55 X autopilot in it, which even today is one is a fantastic autopilot, right? It even had altitude hold and all that stuff, mm-hmm. which I never figured out how to use. But I remember <laughs> on my long cross country, I did throw it up, throw the heading bug on and say, okay, nav mode heading boom. And then I just trimmed it out and it was like, you know, I could practically have taken a nap because it was just on rails at that point. Mm-hmm. So something like that, as you're talking about the Hudson quarter, you say, Hey, you know, throw me a heading down river and, uh, follow that heading. And, you know, you, you just stay at an altitude. If you knew how to work the, uh, altitude hold all the better, you know, yeah. you can, you can enjoy, you know, sticking your head out the window more often. And that's, you know, the altitude hold That's I use that a ton. Um, or the, uh, um, there was another one and I forget what it was, but it would, it would do, uh, a vertical speed. Yeah. Um, you could set it for that and just say, no, go 500 feet a minute. Up. Yeah. And it would just hold that. Yeah. Um, and it would hold that up to your, you know, you could set that and then set the altitude you wanted to go to and it would just hold 500 feet a minute up to the right altitude and then level off. And it's yeah. Just altitude like, right, pre-select is the, is a boss. Yeah. Yeah. That that so Aztec fifty five X had that. That's the thing that I couldn't figure out how to work. <laughs> I remember reading the manual and stuff, but I never got back to trying it. Yeah, and that's one of those things where I think the integration with the iPad is is killer because to sit there in the airplane that I'm renting with the engine running, trying to put in my flight plan, you know, and in some cases, you know, I might want to do coordinates because. You know, I've got a GPS in these things. I'm doing the Hudson River corridor. Hey, you know what? I just want to make it fly the river exactly how I want it to, right? And I can do that on the iPad and just, you know, drop some things in and say, hey, this is the flight plan I want to do. Um, Or I'm doing a sightseeing trip to my grandparents' place, you know, their house I want to fly over. So I want to go direct there. So I want to put that in. Being able to do that ahead of time and then just have it sink in and then just verify quickly that it's there. I think that is the kind of thing that for me, is the missing piece for the nice, you know, integration. Cause then I fly, you know, I fly the panel, the iPad just becomes uh, probably a checklist at that point and a backup, you know, yeah. navigator or, or your, uh, your, um, EF or your, uh, what do you call it? Yeah. Facility directory. 
Yeah, essentially. That if that even, I mean, in some yeah. cases. It's a backup. That's my backup at that point, right? You used to have mm-hmm. to carry the paper charts. You know, I don't... God, I haven't had a paper chart. I don't know how long. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I got a phone. I got an iPad. I got backup batteries. I've got the G1000. You know, I have so many options now. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't need that. Right. Yep. Battery may die, but probably not on two or three devices. <laughs> yeah. And, and we all carry like an extra battery now. So <laughs> it's just like the you norm. I got a couple, and I got one that's sitting in the panel because I'm running my you know, flight box, giving me ADS-B in. Oh, yeah. A lot of these planes have been uh, getting um, the little USB uh, cigarette, like you, or not cigarette, but the little USB uh, connector in the, in panel, the panel, which is nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I saw those have been coming uh, a lot with the, uh, who is that, uh, that engine flight manager. Um like a JPI or something? Yeah, yeah. I've seen some of those that have that added to it, which is kind of cool. Yeah, and the the load on the alternator is so much lower as you switch to LEDs for your nav lights and your landing lights. Mm-hmm. Um, the alternator it just doesn't have to work as hard, which means it doesn't fail quite as frequently either. For sure. Yep. Yep, yep. Yeah, and so much more solid state, I mean, with the AHARs and all that kind of stuff, too. Yep. You know, like you said, removing the vacuum pump and then everything else. I mean, it's just, you know, it's so much nicer. It's a good time. Mm-hmm. And, and especially for me, you know, I don't fly as much as I'd like to. But when I do, I feel, I do in some ways feel safer because I feel like I have a better handle on everything in some cases. Um. Because I yeah, think I the you. interfaces have gotten so much more it's just easier to read and easier to process so you don't feel like you have to you know I guess get back into it too much it's just it's just so much more intuitive I guess is really the point yeah there's a lot less workload on the on the pilot to try to interpret the instruments right you're not burning as many cycles just trying to understand what are all of these instruments telling me um, with a the altitude with the altimeter hand sweeping around and the and the airspeed hand sweeping around and the 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 DG swinging around in some weird way and you know having to put together the mental model of okay what is the AI telling me what is the DG telling me what is my airspeed doing what is my alt- altitude doing uh, what's my turn coordinator doing and try to <laughs> combine all of those into a mental model of okay this is what the plane is up to right now. Um, you know, just having that all condensed into uh, a PFD style display. I mean, there's a reason that they've switched to that. Um, it's mm-hmm. super efficient and, and it re- reduces the pilot workload so much. Yeah. And I could spend more time looking out the window and doing what I need to do. There you go. Exactly. That's where you're supposed to be on a VFR flight. Head out the window. So, um, we were at, uh, I think, we, yeah, we were at Country Thunder um, a couple weekends ago. Um, that's our yearly country music festival thing that we go to. And we're going down there from like uh, Wednesday evening. Well, I, I dropped off the RV like Wednesday morning um, and then went back to work and then came back that, that evening. And I'm we were so there sorry. until Sunday. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, 
I don't know who it was down there, um, if it was military or police, but they had the biggest dang helicopter drone I've ever seen with my eyes. It was crazy big. Like, I almost thought it was a real helicopter, but then the shape of it, you know, I was like going, that ain't quite right. And I'm not sure I see a canopy. You know what I mean? And that landing gear seems weird. And as I got a little closer, I'm like, whoa, it's actually a drone. It was really cool. Um, and they were just kind of like police in the area every once in a while. Way crazy. That's kind of nuts. Yeah. But the cool thing that happened while I was down there was I pretty much got the okay from the wife to uh, go for my CFI. So. Uh, oh, man. Fantastic. Yeah. So um, I've got like a short-term goal of mine to to get that AGI knocked out of the way. Not that I need to do that in order to start getting my instrument rating, but it was just, it's one of those things I want to do in my head to mentally prepare me for getting back into a study mode. Cause I do want to do the book work my, my own without, you know, a, without uh, um, doing ground instruction. Is that how you did yours, Brad? The, instrument? the instrument side, or did you do ground instruction? I did a little bit of ground instruction and I decided that it was not a good class for me because there were a bunch of things where I knew more than the instructor did. Okay. And I just kind of mentally checked out and I just did it all um, through the books. It's, it's hard. I won't try yeah. to sugarcoat it. <laughs> I mean, right. It's a lot of work. Although I, I'm hoping that with the, the ACS now instead of the PTS um, that you won't have to learn the intricacies of Loran approaches, which were <laughs> decommissioned yeah. more than 10 years ago. Right. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, uh, hopefully I can just get back into it. I enjoyed the, the private, you know, a lot learning it. So I, you know, hopefully the instrument will be even, even more so. What were you going to say? And I did all the King videos for the private and that was nice. Oh yeah, and I, I I've done some of the sporties ones, but you know, with all the different video things now and everything, you can just throw it on an iPad or throw it up on the Apple TV or something, and just sit back and do some studying. And you know, with all the quizzes and stuff you can do on the you know your phone here and there, I mean, it's so much yeah. easier to learn stuff than it used to be. That's for sure. Um, I, I don't. Well, there's think... a lot. There's a lot. A lot more resources. Um, yeah. You know. And not everybody learns the same way, you know. Um, sometimes these, you know, Glime or, or ASA books or whatever, you know, they're great. But some people just can't learn that way and they need, you know, video like you're talking about. So I'm a very visual person. I like to learn by doing and repeating what somebody else is doing. Um, that's how I learned, like, how I learned, like, Cisco networking, you know, was kind of that way. Um, reading, reading the books about, uh, you know, EIGRP or spanning tree protocol, just, it just like, they're just words. They're not really meaning anything to me until I can put it into practice, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's, um, you know, I'm, I'm doing some Spanish stuff with like Duolingo or whatever now, but, um, for me to be able to hop into something five or 10 minutes a day and just do it on my phone. You, you know, and then there's just the repetition of every day going in and doing that and then just keep going back. And it's like the first time I learned, yeah, I'm not going to remember half of that stuff. But if I keep coming back to it, you know, in, in small chunks and just keep redoing it or keep doing quizzes or keep doing that kind of stuff, you know, I can easily, you know, eventually I start retaining it more. And I bet if you couple that with actually going up with an instructor after a little while and, and starting to do some of the stuff in the plane, I mean, 
Yeah. Then you always have a little debrief afterwards, you know, and so, yeah. but, you know, they say the cockpit is not a good, uh, is not a good, what, classroom. So you don't want to be asking questions, wasting time while you're burning gas. But, uh, you know, at the same time, you know, sometimes you want to ask something and then be shown, you know, the technique or whatever. So, well, sometimes and, you need to go, you need to fail at it. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, mm-hmm. and you need to try it because you can learn it in a book all you want. But if you don't go try it, I mean, it's not going to do anything. Right. And I've been told, uh, maybe especially now that I've got a few more hours than just um, just what you'd have after your private. But uh, because you have to have, what is it? Is it 250 hours total for your commercial? Something like that? I believe so. And then for Like the by private, the time you finish? Yeah. By the time you take the... By the time you do the exam with the DPE, uh, by the time you start the exam with the DPE, you have to have 250 hours. And then, what is it? It's 40 hours instruments, yeah. actual or simulated. Mm-hmm. So um, you can do a lot of a little bit of both. Like you can knock out some instrument and commercial at the same time. So you're kind of working towards both at the same time. Obviously, your commercial is going to going to take you a little bit longer probably than because you know i'm I'm, i only got like i forget 100 and maybe 20 or 30 hours something like that so adding 40 or 50 more hours for my instrument isn't gonna isn't gonna put me at 200 but so that's gonna well that's gonna put me at uh maybe 175 uh, 180 and so i'm still gonna need another 60 or something you know to, to to even qualify to do my uh check ride so so I told my wife, I said, yeah, you know, it's, I said, I, I said that the, the end goal is to, you know, get my instructor rating and start teaching. And then who knows what else, maybe ferry airplanes. Uh, I don't know. Uh, um, maybe uh, medical flights. I, who knows with your commercial, there's a lot of different opportunities. I said, all I know is that I'm kind of done with it. I'm just, um, you know, at this point it's a, it's a means to an end. Um, I like my job. I like the people I work with, but every day I still just think about aviation and I'm not getting any younger. So my end goal is I just like to get this knocked out. I, and I said, and, you, and, and you're going to just have to think about it as the same thing you did. You know, I, you know, we paid to put you in school to go through nursing and here you are, you know, in your field. I said, it's the same thing. It's just, so you have to get these in order to get the job. So it's going to cost probably about $25,000 to get these next uh, three ratings. So it just kind of is what it is. So we'll see. I still want to do it with a private instructor, uh, not through a school, um, like how I did my first time. I kind of like that idea. Yeah, I've I've enjoyed Part 61 uh style training a lot and just working with individual instructors and you you get a lot out of it um i think you can learn a lot by switching instructors too um, mm, for and, sure and just training yes. with different folks i couldn't i couldn't believe when i when i was in, doing my private that once i got to the dpe and i was just failing for her miserably i was like what am i doing so wrong it's just their style of teaching was different enough that I wasn't doing things to wait to the way she expected them, which is kind of a problem between the instructor and the DPE, especially if the instructor is going to recommend you uh, go to this DPE for your, for your uh, practical, right? 
So they should be on the same page. I mean, that instructor needs to be teaching to the standards that the DPE is expecting. And I remember from starting the airplane, you guys probably remember me telling you this, how I started the airplane and I didn't have my hand on the throttle. And she was freaking out about it surging. And we were just going to you know, get carried away and just running down the taxiway for no reason, right? Even though I had my feet on the brakes, you know. Um, because I didn't have my hand on the throttle and it's just not the way I was she taught me she never my instructor never complained about that so I didn't know it was wrong you want right, and, and I you want to know how many times I, either you want to know how many times I, I started without the thr- hand on the throttle now doesn't happen you know I, I mean she scared me to death about that even though I have my feet on the brakes obviously or I, I, I started with my, my hand, hand on, on the, the mixture throttle. on the mixture and has to be in the mixture Mm, yeah, mixture cutoff. That's a good one. Well, no, because the one set, no, the actual mixture, because the one seventy two, you got to go, because um, you start it, you start it um, with a couple turns, and then as soon as it starts catching, you got to go mixture, mixture full rich to get it to catch. Right, because uh, you so start you, it with the mixture leaned out because it's yeah. fuel injected. Yep. So oh. I can't even have my hand on the throttle. It's throttle a quarter quarter in, and that's it. Yeah. Mm. Like you, you cannot start that plane with that. It's hard to start it. <laughs> I have begin with, but yeah, I don't fly any S's or SP's or anything, so mine all have carburetors. But but I went through. I mean, how many instructors did I go through in my? <laughs> um, I remember, yeah, you know. But I learned something Mark new from too. each of them. I remember Mark went through quite the problem with a few instructors, didn't he? I think he did. I don't know. That I was years ago. We'll have to ask him. It's been a while. I barely remember mine. I just remember going through a bunch <laughs> of them. Um, but you know, I learned a lot from each of mine. I learned different stuff from, from every instructor. And, um, so, and even doing some of the, um, like the single flights, like the checkpoint ones that like the school wanted to go with a different instructor. I mean, that was oh, nice uh-huh. too. Cause it was like, all of a sudden you got a different view and they were like, Oh yeah. Okay. You're, you know, mm-hmm. you ever thought about this? Yeah. I like that as, as long as, as long as they're all kind of on the same page, you know, and then you get in the plane, you're like, well, you know, this instructor just told me to do it this way. And the guy goes, well, he's an idiot. You know, it's like, well, why am I in the plane with him then? You know, as long as they're all on the same page. <laughs> you work for the same school, don't you? Right. Yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to fall into that. If anyone out there is, uh, is ran into stuff like that, uh, um, shoot us an email. Tell us about your, uh, your, your, uh, situation, your story. I'd be, uh, interested to hear what you went through and how it worked out. So, yeah, um, I'm not exactly sure uh, when I'm going to start that. Um, I've got the okay now, so it's kind of kind of a load off. Um, we've, I've, we've still got, you know, our youngest daughter uh, in college, so um, we, don't, uh, we, don't, we don't pay on time for that stuff. We pay for it as it goes. Of course, with, with our kids in college, and I don't know how you guys are going to do it, but this is the way we do it. Um, we pay 100% for A's, 50% for B's, and we don't pay for average. So the kids pay for their own college, and we reimburse them after each semester based on their mm-hmm. grades. I don't think I John's thought about that yet. No. He, time. Yeah. Community college will be 100 grand a semester by the time his kid gets to college. So um, I'm thinking about, <laughs> um, you know, one M&M for a number one, um, <laughs> two M&Ms for number two. <laughs> Maybe a sticker. Yeah, stickers. Uh, uh, 
Well, it's about time somebody went back to school on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, some actual training in the in the pattern podcast. Um, yeah. Although I guess, you know, Mark's been working on his instrument, so That's true. Back to our roots. Back yeah. to our back to our roots. It's good stuff. Exactly. Now yeah. I need to get back in an airplane. Dude, I, I, I saw one and now talk her into, well, with doing this much flying, it would probably make more sense for a, for me to own an airplane. Yeah. There you go. I got to figure out how to do that creative math. Taylor crafts are cheap. Well, you know, you can buy our Warrior. <laughs> I need an instrument plane, dang it. Well, the Warrior's instrument. It's oh, okay. IFR certified. It just doesn't yeah. have a GPS. Hey, yeah. Brad might have one in a little while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you never know. Just want to fix a ring spar that's been fractured. You'll be good to go. Yeah. yeah. What are the odds? It's got a good engine heater. That's all you need. I hear Gorilla, gr- <laughs> yeah, gorilla, gorilla Glue is really, really strong. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, that's a really exciting, Chris. I, that's that's cool to hear. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll see how it goes. And, uh, um, you know, I've been struggling. I, I've been talking about it for two years about taking that stupid AGI and I just get like cross-eyed reading for the FOI, the the fundamentals of instruction. It is, like I've said, the most boring crap you've ever read in your life. And I think now that I've gotten the okay for this, it's given me a little bit of motiva- motivation just to power through it. You know, it's like yeah. that liver and onions your parents put on your plate and said, well, you know, you're not getting up till you finish eating this. Little did they know I like liver and onions, but I'm just saying like there's something you don't want to do, but you know the end the the end result is a win. So, you know, it gives me some motivation to just kind of power through. Yeah, and you'll make it through. Yeah, I. Uh, it's uh, it's boring, but uh, you know some people say it's useful. <laughs> they they uh, someone even even commented that it's the price of admission. That's kind of funny, a funny way of thinking about it. You know, it kind of is. It's just, it's the hurdle you got to clear, and that's just the way it is. Yeah. So, so one of the things we started, uh, I think, on our last our last podcast was talking about. Uh, uh, have you been? If you were window shopping for an airplane and you were able to go buy something today, um, you know. It, what, what would it be? Why would you buy it? How much is it? What do they do? What's special about it? And the thing that's really got me going lately is twin Comanches. You guys ever been in one? I haven't been in one. Uh, they had have one at the airport where I did my private, um, but I've never I've never taken it up. If if I worked on my multi engine, it might might well be in that plane because they're pretty inexpensive to fly. Yeah, of all of them. Um, this that that is probably the most economical. The the basic twin Comanches got twin IO three twenties, right? So it's got same engine as your one seventy two has, and um and and then they're, they're pretty snappy. So you can do one hundred and sixty five knots, I guess, uh, on on uh, something like you know fourteen fifteen gallons an hour. Uh, up at altitude, you can even do better. Um. And get moving. But the one I'd really, really like is the PA-39. There's a PA-30 Twin Comanche and there's a PA-39 Twin Comanche. And the difference is... Is that the 251 with IO-520s or...? Nope. They still they, they still have um, they still have the uh, IO-320, um, but they are uh, counter-rotating props, which is nice. So you don't have that dead engine problem. 
No critical you don't have engine, your, yeah. your critical engine. Uh, you don't have the P factor issue on takeoff and stuff. But the 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 pièce de résistance is the twin turbo, or not the twin turbo? The, the, the turbo, what? The turbo twin Comanche. No, the 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 what was it that you said? <laughs> the pièce de résistance is that what it's called? Yeah, close. Yeah. Okay, that was closer. Pièce yeah. de résistance. Yeah, T- tongue twister. Yeah, the turbo twin Comanche. Um, with the uh, Miller conversion. So it's 200 horsepower engines instead of the 160 horse uh, 0320s. So it's still an 0320, but turboed, uh, 200 horsepower aside. And, uh, and that sucker right there will, will put you real close to, uh, real close to, um, like, to, uh, I'm going to say close to 200 knots, um, at altitude. And, uh, it's a nice plane. And that plane right there, is just over a hundred grand, hundred to hundred and twenty grand. You can get a really nice one. The one I'm looking at right here on uh, Barnstormers has has uh, uh, Avidyne um, five forty in it. It's a loaded panel, man. This thing is is pretty tricked out for a hundred and twenty grand. Pretty nice. So now I just need to find four or five people who want that same plane and won't mind me using it for training. <laughs> should Getting, be should be yeah, no insurance brainer. will be cheap without an emmy without oh a my multi- engine rating oh my gosh can you imagine yeah 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 so but uh ideally what i'd really like for my training would would be a regular comanche or a 250 comanche or 260 um would be would be ideal then i can get my uh high performance and complex at the same time while racking up hours like that I would, my insurance wouldn't be expensive for too long because after you've put about uh, uh, 50 hours in, you know, that uh, that type, then I think it goes down pretty good. So after you get 20 hours of dual, it goes down quite a bit. After you get 50 hours of total time, it goes down even more. See, you just need to come up here where we've got six planes sitting in the barn. There you and go. you've got access to... High CFIs, complex CFIs. Yeah. Uh, we've got three or four CFIs in the club, and uh, you know we got it all. And I've got a spare room, so you know, <laughs> we can rent that out, and you'd be all set. And you wouldn't have to listen to your wife complaining about where all the money has gone. <laughs> so you're saying to not bring my phone with me? Okay, good call. Yeah, no, we could say that. You know, they don't have internet in Minnesota. <laughs> Yes, good times, good times. Well, it's it's a it's a good excuse to uh, look around here for. I know the clubs. Um, I've just never thought that they were that good a deal. Mainly because I can, I can rent a one seventy two here for um, one hundred and twenty an hour wet, and the club price wasn't a whole lot cheaper than that. And then you got your monthly price on top of that, you know. So, but if you're doing that much more flying, it gets considerably cheaper over time right so yeah that's the thing it if so for us the like the warrior that i'm going to take to to re-up my bfr on saturday is it's like 70 dollars an hour wet Mm. and you know so if you fly more than about three hours a month and you only fly the warrior if you're you're ahead Mm, of 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 the alternative if you rented from the the fbl on the field Uh, so the the math is real simple do i fly 36 hours a year well then it makes sense or do i want bigger 
you know, better aircraft, then it makes a lot more sense to be in the club. And if, and if you don't, or if you're not going to consistently, then it doesn't. Um, and that's, that's kind of how you get, get hooked. Of course, then you get older and you don't fly as much. And then you're basically subsidizing the experience for people like me. Yeah. <laughs> so, there you go. So I don't mind. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yeah, the uh, the the flight school or whatever that I'm written the 172 from now for 120 um, for one. I guess it's 140. They've got an Aero three for rent. So that's what everybody uses to do their commercial in. And that's more expensive than our Mooney. Yeah. I think the arrow, our arrow is like 115, I want to say, wet. Wow, that's not bad. And, uh, you know, the, the Saratoga is 150 or 155. So, yeah, the Mooney must be in the 130s. That's, uh, that's reasonable. You know, it, it it's a great deal. Um and you, you don't have the hassles of ownership. Now, that said, I do find myself browsing Trade-A-Plane from time to time. And I've been looking at like S35 Bonanzas that are 178 oh, knot airplanes. That's, that's the one. Yes. Of all of them, that's the one. They're slightly outside of like a comfortable price range because they all like bump up against 100000 it seems like. Oh, there's a bunch that you can get in the 70s. Really? Um, yeah. They're they're reasonably inexpensive, and now you can put a decent panel in them. You know, if you if it's got a a, a crappy you know GPS, or if it's got a an old HSI that's ready to 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 die, uh, or an AI that's going to die, you just tear it out and replace it with glass. Yeah. Um, and you know, again, pull the vacuum, and uh, you get a few you get a few more pounds that way. Uh, and they're fast and they're oh, relatively yeah. cheap to fly. They're IO 520s. So they're not, you know, much smaller than the, than the Saratoga's engine, but they're, uh, you know, another, what, 20 knots faster, 20, 23 knots faster. Yeah. When I was reading up on them of all the models, that's the one with the, uh, the, the most modifications that it got, it go- that got it going that much faster. Like it's, it's like 10 knots faster than the year before something like that it's speedy uh, 178 knots will, you know you don't care too much about headwinds at that point <laughs> yeah yeah not bad at all um i look at the p models occasionally occasionally too uh, for you know price wise they seem to be pretty good but uh yeah if you can find an s for a good price price uh you know that's definitely the way to go i think too yeah, the 182RG is the other one that's on my short list of mm. of fantasy planes. But then I, I keep looking at the – I do the math. You know, there's a good spreadsheet that you can get from AOPA that has the – here's what it would actually cost you per month to, you know, if you take out the loan and here's what your loan payment's going to be. Oh, yeah. Here's what your mm-hmm. hangar payment's going to be for the for the hangar and, you know, uh, your engine reserve – when you add in the engine reserve and the fuel costs and – yeah. And the insurance and all of that. And it gives you the number and you're just like, no, nah, I think I'll stay at my club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like the, the two tens too. The yeah. Two the ten. two tens are amazing. Um, yeah. You can get a, a, like a P two ten for a really affordable price. If they haven't converted the engine, um, when they convert the engine over to the big TSIO 550, they, they go up over, 
over two and a half times. They're well into the quarter million, 300,000 range. Yeah. Um, but a P210 is an incredible platform. You know, you've got the no pressurized nice, one. Yes. You got oh, no yeah. nice pressurized, um, you know, more greater than 200 knot aircraft, but. You know, what's what's crazy is when thirty gallons an hour. So <laughs> what what's crazy is when you see them when they put the uh, turbine conversion on those. Right, and you can get some A thirty sixes with a turbine uh, as well. And yeah, you know, you're putting a three quarter of a million dollar engine in a <laughs> hundred thousand dollar aircraft, and you're like, mm, yeah. I don't know how smart this is, but I, you know, if you're going routinely going long long distances, um, you know, over like Canada or Alaska or someplace like that, where you need an incredibly reliable high performance engine it it it's okay. But you know, you're also burning 50 plus gallons an hour. Yeah. Yeah. The extra fuel burn for the, for the extra speed just quite doesn't, doesn't quite cut it on that uh, for that math. No, the, the speed, the drag goes up by a square of your speed and the, yeah, <laughs> you know, like, like, the speed's going to go up linearly and the drag's going to go up by the square. So their fuel burn is going to be ridiculous. Yeah. Change your tail number to something like I hate money. I don't know how you'd spell that out exactly, but. Right. <laughs> <laughs> My uh, uh, friend here locally, uh, Andy, he, he also does the trip to Catalina with us. Um, he's done it a couple times, um, but uh, he's got a nice 836 um, and and uh, it's just him and one other owner right now but he said it was <clears throat> they they built it or they designed it for like a four owner thing but they've never really brought on anybody else so i could join that if i wanted to but i don't know if i have uh, you know i'd have to take out a loan or something for probably you know 30 or 40,000 dollars so well and again if you're just doing flight training you know fly the slowest cheapest ifr platform you can get away with you know yeah you know there's no reason not to fly a warrior you don't need an a36 to to go shoot approaches yeah um, you're going to be flying the stupid thing at 90 knots anyway you might as well <laughs> use a plane that barely flies 90 <laughs> knots to begin with yeah good point good point i guess in my head it was like you know um It'd be cool if I had the complex and high performance plane that that I could show after I'm all done. Look how many hours I have in this kind of you know uh, type and and so forth. I, you know I don't know if that really even counts for anything. So, I don't I don't think anybody's going to much care. You know you can bang out you can rent and bang out your high performance and your complex uh, in a pretty big hurry. And to get anyway, you're going to need your complex to get your commercial. Yeah. So that one's done. And then you can rent for a few hours and bang out your high performance because that really is just a few hours worth yeah. of 10 of, hours at most 10 hours to, yeah. to get signed off on that. And, um, you know, if, if you're, it, and then you're just, if you're a CFI, people are paying you to sit around and fly their airplane or an airplane that they're renting. Sure. So you don't, it's not like a CFI needs one. Mm hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. And that would just be more hassle for you to own a, an airplane that you have to do the hundred hour inspections on for rentals and, and insure it for rentals and build a client base and all of that. It's like, eh, I'll let the flight school manage all of that for me and <laughs> yeah. I'll let somebody else pay to fly me around in a, in a little airplane. You know, I, I don't think that it 
that it's necessarily a bad idea to get a little bug smasher 172, you know, an old 172 or an old warrior or something. Um, it may make a lot of sense to, to get something like that to, to bang out the ratings just because, you know, you're, you're going to put on a bunch of time. Um, and 40 hours on those planes aren't going to noticeably depreciate them or, or a hundred hours on those planes aren't going to noticeably depreciate them. Right. Um, but, um, but I don't see any reason to buy something that's going to suck fuel and, and just suck money out of you. Um, when you're just training in it, you're not, yeah. you don't need to go anywhere, you know, get a go places airplane when you want to go places. Yeah. Um, but if you're just flying around building time or flying around and building, uh, experience, do it as cheaply as you can get away with. Good point. Yeah. An hour in a plane's an hour, no matter if you're doing 200 knots or a hundred knots. Exactly. It doesn't count for anything more. And those, <laughs> you know, those long cross countries that you have to do like for your instrument where you have to do a, what is it? A hundred, a hundred mile dual night cross country, um, is one of the requirements that's really weird for the instrument. Um, yeah. and it's, uh, you know, you may as well get, get as many hours out of that as you can because, <laughs> right. you know, you're paying the CFI to sit there. Um, it's not the CFI is cheap compared to the cost of the airplane. You might as well be under the hood, you know, at night, getting your instrument time, getting your night time, getting your night cross country taken care of uh, and getting your dual all out of out of one flight experience as opposed to um, just, you know, yeah, let's go a hundred miles and we'll do it in 40 minutes instead of 55. Yeah. Like, eh. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I still need the extra 25 minutes. It's just going to cost more. Yeah, it's true. So, well, I'll, uh, keep you all updated as, uh, as usual. And, um, maybe even by the next time we get back on, I'll, uh, have something more to report on, uh, my first instrument flight, but I got to find, uh, find the school in which I'm going to do it with or a private instructor and, and airplane. I'm not sure how that's all going to work out. Last time, you know, I, I had this private instructor and she had use of this, this one company's plane that wasn't a school, you know? Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll probably maybe just use, um, the, the school that I'm renting the, uh, 172 from now. And, and they, like I said, they've got the warrior too. So they might give you a bulk discount if you can pay for a block of time. You yeah. Know, like, hey, I want to buy 40 hours and I'll pay you in, you know, two or three installments. Um, they might be able to give you a bulk discount on it. Yeah, I know a lot of places will do if you if you do 10 hours at a time, if you pay for 10 at a time, you can get like some discount off of their rate. I don't know if it's 10 bucks an hour or whatever, but something's better than nothing. Yeah, whatever you can negotiate. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they they would just as soon keep the planes flying and know that they're going to fly and know that they're going to be flown by somebody serious. Yeah. So. Yeah, their 172s are nice too. They got uh, well, they at least got um, the um, Garmin um, five. Uh, not I see. Yeah, the five thirties in them, and um, I don't think they've got an autopilot in them. Two VORs, Garmin five thirty. I don't. I don't know if I, I assume the whole thing's rated for uh, instrument rating with with the GPS too, but I'm not sure. You know, if if it's got a 530, that's an IFR capable GPS, and yeah. you know, given that you're going to be in Phoenix, 
where you're going to be in VMC anyhow, it doesn't even matter if the aircraft is rated for instrument flight as long as it has the instrumentation, even if it's not got a, the pedostatic check or, or the other IFR uh, re- required checks like a current database. It's irrelevant if you're flying in VMC. Uh, as long as you're oh. not on an instrument flight plan. Now, if you accept an IFR clearance in VMC, you have to have an IFR capable aircraft. But if you're just doing practice approaches, uh, which are done usually VFR, then you don't need an IFR capable aircraft. Interesting. See, I, I, I didn't ever know that. So it, it, it seemed to me like if you were going to get training in an airplane, instrument training, it had to be instrument certified. Yeah, it needs the instruments, obviously. Well, clearly, but it needs to have the check, right? From the, from the um, um, who do you, what do you call it? The the A and P, right? The, the, pedo, the pedo static check um, needs to be there, and and most planes are probably going to have it. But if you're yeah. unless you accept the IFR clearance, um, the aircraft doesn't need to have it. It just needs to have the instruments so that you can read them and practice, you know, mm-hmm. and, and actually get value out of it. But other than that. Nope. Interesting. They, uh, it's like being P, you know, it's like how you can be PIC in a high performance aircraft. Um, as long as you don't do the takeoffs and landings. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, or you can be the safety pilot rather like you can be a safety pilot, uh, or sole manipulator of the flight controls, even without the rating. Okay. Um, it's as long as there's somebody else that, um, in the aircraft at the flight controls that does, you're good to go. Gotcha. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, there's all kinds of weird tricks that you can play. And you'll learn them all as a CFI. (laughs) Cool. Well, I'm excited. I want to get it going. I'm going to do a little studying tonight for that stupid FOI. Try and memorize two or three more questions. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the the oral for the... uh, for the CFI is a long one, and they're probably going to stress some of those. So get some yeah. of it to stick, I guess. Oh, the FOI piece of it? Oh, my gosh. There's no oral for the FOI, but the CFI no. oral, they're going to... Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. They'll bang on you pretty hard to see how, how you teach. Yeah. But, you know, how many people are are or have gone through it? You know, like, I know Mike Hart from Pilot's Journey got his... Uh, he got his CFI... Um, Tupper's do, working on his CFI. Uh, the other uh, the other pilot, Stu, um, from Pilot's Journey, got his CFI. Yeah. Um, it's like it's catching. Yeah, it's it's addicting once you start going down that road, isn't it? You know, I'd like to. Um, then, I've then got, you got a few more years I. before I'm going to start <laughs> uh, on my working on my CFI, but I'd, I'd like to get it. Um, but I've got – I'm having enough fun just flying. Sure. Yeah. So, but it would be nice to have somebody else pay to have me sit in the airplane and let them fly me around. <laughs> and like, like pilot Stu says, try to kill you. Yeah. Right. Keep them, try to keep them from killing you. Yeah. You'll get good stories if nothing else. Mm-hmm. Man, he had some good stories at Oshkosh. Yeah. Couple, two years ago. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I probably shouldn't say, but you know, nobody listens to this podcast anyway, so it's not right. going to come back to me. We, we met both of our <laughs> listeners last year anyway. So we did, we did. Yeah. It was great. Um, <laughs> he was telling a story about a student who, um, 
who went out and went to another airport and was going to shut down and taxied over to the to the place to tie down the, the planes and there were there were chains out on the tarmac and uh, taxied over them and it sucked up one of the chains and wrapped it around the prop hmm. and ripped the engine off the front of the plane. Okay. And so then the of course there's nothing holding the back end of the plane up right? Because it kind of affects your weight and balance when you don't have an engine attached. So the plane just tilted back on its tail. <laughs> it was a little lighter. It was a little lighter on the nose. And she got out and before she called them, she she took the, the other chain and chained down the other side of the airplane. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just like she was taught. <laughs> just like she was taught. You always chain it down. You always chain it down. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't want a gust of wind to pick it up and wreck it, you know? Right, that'd be terrible. <laughs> yeah, I remember that story. Yeah. Oh, so Solid I'm sure work. you'll get you'll you'll be regaling us with tales of crazy students, at least at yeah. least over over beers at uh, the campfire <laughs> at Camp Stroller. Uh, so speaking of that, you guys already got uh, your plans for Osh. I, I actually don't this year so far. I, I'm not even 100% sold on whether or not I'm going to go for the first time. So I am thinking I will pr- – I'm working it out right now. So my son is has joined the Civil Air Patrol, and I actually just signed up as a senior member uh, mostly to work with the cadets. And uh, encampment is the week of Oshkosh. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to make that work. And I might Mm. go for the, and and his birthday is the, the graduating day from encampment. So I'm thinking what I might do is go to Oshkosh in the former part of the week and then fly up to, uh, camp Ripley and do encampment the back half of the week. Um, and yeah, call it a day and then sleep on Sunday and go back to work. And this year, Osh is doesn't flow over into august this time right it ends on the 29th yeah sunday the 29th right of july yeah 2018 Um, for our listeners mm -hmm. in case we don't have this episode out just in case (laughs) i'm flying in wednesday evening i think i get into milwaukee around 8 30 and then driving up to osh and then i leave at um Looks like eight ten in the morning on Sunday. Uh, to go back to Milwaukee. Well, no, I leave Milwaukee at eight ten. Oh, in the morning. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's another oh dark thirty five in the morning type of sneak out of. Probably, but it but I'll be home by nine ten fifty five. <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad you told me that because it, I if I go it would be like this I'll probably fly Allegiant into. Ooh, terrifying. Uh, <laughs> hey, you could get your chance to be PIC, though. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> uh, after the story that uh, just aired about them, man. Uh, but you know what? A little bit of that's not fair, because I'm not even sure how many MD-80s are still flying, because out at uh, out at um, Williams Gateway, the last time or two that I've been out there um, to fly Allegiant, they've switched to Airbuses, the A319s. So, I don't know. That's what I flew to. That's why I flew to um, uh, Appleton in last year. So their flight to Appleton this year is on Wednesday, um, and then I would probably fly uh, southwest from Milwaukee to go home. So I might hitch a ride from you if you've got the room. Well, I have a car. 
So I just need to be in Milwaukee by probably... I won't have much to check. So realistically, if I get down there by uh, 6.45, I'd be fine. Okay. In that case, I will um, pursue looking at flights out of out of uh, Milwaukee for Phoenix in the morning of Sunday and see how that goes. Yeah. Yeah. So shorten, shorten uh, trip for me again. So Allegiant still has 29 MD eighties. Do they? Okay. Yep. It's about a third of their fleet. Mm-hmm. And, and then the rest are airbuses. Like that's what they all, that's what they all started with, man. The cool thing about those, those mad dogs is, is, you know, you can enter, you can load the plane from the front and the back at the same time, which is kind of cool. And you don't need a tug to push you out. No, yeah. Put the buckets out and put the gas to it, you know. And then just, up. you know, hope it doesn't burst yeah. into flames in the sky, <laughs> you know. But, you know, yeah, that only happens once in a while. Yeah, pretty rare. Maybe a little bit more common for them, but still rare. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I will uh, keep you up to date on that as well, let you know how that goes. Um and we'll find out to see if we can talk Mark into going again this year. It's always a struggle. <laughs> so, well, how about some shout outs? Anyone got any? I wanted to shout out to RJ Wallace, who wrote in to, uh, to share that he had passed his private pilot checkride on March 9th. Yes. Um, and uh, just remember, wanted to say congratulations. For sure. I remember, I think we replied back to him, a couple of us did, but uh, yeah, awesome, RJ. And uh, so uh, shoot us another email. Let us know where you went on your first trip as a newly minted private pilot on your own. Um, how about a shout out to uh, SpaceX today? Oh yeah, did they do that again? It's getting boring. Yeah, they they launched a few rockets. They went nuts today. So they did more than one. I I thought they did. No, I think they just did the one that took Tess yeah. up today. Oh, what did, did I keep? Did they keep replaying it then? I was watching it on YouTube, and I thought they sent like three different ones up. Maybe that was the same one three times. I kept like they weren't rewatching the Falcon Heavy. <laughs> no, wasn't that one. But they were mentioning how this was going to uh, take uh, a, a two days to get to the International Space Station. Yeah, normal time. Uh, the, the the payload. So. And they landed. Uh, they landed the first stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. For some reason, it, I I saw like three launches uh, on the same YouTube video. Now, I didn't watch it from beginning to end, all of them. Like, I kind of skipped forward, so it might have been the same one. Um, but it felt like it was different ones. I'm, pro- I'm probably just uh, missing it. So, Oh, and then uh, apparently uh, um, they're in trouble for when they launched uh, the car into space, you know, for... Um, uh, video in it and recording it or whatever, or, or playing it back. Like they didn't have a license for, for the video stream. Oh, well, <laughs> isn't it international yeah. space? I, I don't know that you need a license to transmit <laughs> from space, but whatever you do. And then the whole yeah. next launch, there was the whole Noah thing. And I don't know, 
whatever. <laughs> it's a bunch of bureaucratic red tape yeah. that neither side really entirely knew what was going on. Yeah. Oh, well. So, all right, gentlemen. Well, till next time, It's uh, it's been great. Indeed. It has. We should do this more often. I'm down. Yeah, we should. Otherwise, they're going to take away our press credentials. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we need to do a bunch before Ash is the point. So everybody go fine. I'm working on it. I actually have been, and we'll, I've got a few small, medium, and large trips coming, including one uh, just before Ash. So we didn't get a chance to talk about those. Cool. Right. Save it for next one. Yeah. Alrighty. Cool. All right. Let's go ahead and let everyone know where they can find us because they probably forgot at this point. Mm. <laughs> Chris, we'll start with you. Imagine that. Um, yep. Yeah, I'm still on the uh, Twitter machine at uh, CholubAZ. That's C H O L U B A Z. Please uh, send us your emails and uh, you can send me an email at Chris at InThePatternPodcast.com. And uh, of course, there's our Facebook page at InThePatternPodcast. And Brad, how about you? You can reach me via email at brad at inthepatternpodcast.com or on the Twitter machine at Brad Kane. Uh, you can still find me on the great all-seeing eye of Facebook uh, as well as uh, on the Facebook page occasionally. And, of course, Kane is spelled just like it sounds. Kilo, Oscar, Echo, Hotel, November. All right. And for me, you can find me pretty much anywhere online at Pilot Conway. Um, yeah. John at inthepatternpodcast.com. Um, for all of us, podcast at inthepatternpodcast.com. We're on Twitter is in the pattern. And like Chris mentioned before, facebook.com slash inthepatternpodcast. Uh, show notes for this episode and all other episodes can be found on our website, inthepatternpodcast.com. And uh, if you have any suggestions, comments, critiques, uh, or want to let us know about your training or what you're going through, um, pastor rating, anything, go ahead and let us know. Um, we love hearing that. Love getting feedback from the listeners. Um, so that'd be great. And with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up episode 67 of the In a Pattern podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening. And remember, make left traffic. You're cleared for the option. Mm-hmm.